Hi you guys, welcome to episode 7 of Vibing in Valentino. So, what's really crazy was last episode, if you guys listened to it, my favorite thing of the week, my weekly weakness was Pop Smoke's album. I had recorded that segment a week ahead of time because I was going to be in Phuket, I was going to be in the islands, and I wasn't going to be editing. So I was editing and then I had uploaded everything before time and scheduled it for release. And then while I was on the islands, I actually found out that he had passed away. It was just crazy to me that, you know, here I was just speaking about somebody's work and somebody's art and in a few days they were gone. So just a reminder to you guys to be kind to everybody, live life to the fullest, and don't go to bed angry, don't go to bed mad. You never know how much time you have left with the people you love, okay? All right, my weekly weakness this week. I'm a little traumatized, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> but my weekly weakness this week is definitely fasted cardio. I think I've spoken about this before or in season one. Ingrid and Jasmine Suarez might have spoken about it. It's something that I have been doing really consistently and I've seen a lot of great results from it. I will do a whole solo episode on fasted cardio so we can really dive into the science behind it and I just want to tell you guys that you know as with all things in fitness and nutrition and weight loss everything is there's two sides to the story it's always about finding what works for you i have suggested to my clients to do fasted cardio and i think they're seeing really good results from it so yeah what fasted cardio is is basically you do low to moderate intensity cardio for 30 to 60 minutes so 30 minutes to a whole hour um, on an empty stomach so it's kind of like a great way to like wake up and you know wake your body up anyway weight loss and all that stuff aside i like it as a way of like easing me into the day so there's my weekly weakness stay tuned for a solo episode that dives into deeper detail about all of that i just want to remind you guys that if you guys want to purchase my eight week workout plan vibing strong or if you guys want to book a one hour coaching call with me all about fitness nutrition weight loss or if you guys just want to drop a line and say hi visit my website vibinginvalentino.com all right you guys let's get right into our conversation this week I've been dying to talk to our guest this week. She is a brand growth strategist, which means if you're looking to grow your business and your brand, she's your girl. As a part of the core staff at Thrive Market, she has helped the brand grow to millions of clients in her time there. Now, she is the founder of her own wellness company, Well Done. Stephanie Beckerman, welcome to Vibing in Valentino. Hi. Hi. <laughs> Thank you for having me. No, of course. It's so nice to talk to you. Tell us a little bit about yourself and how you became a brand strategist. So I moved to LA about 10 years ago mm -hmm. and I started in the entertainment business, which was great. And then at that company working on the talent side of things, I wound up getting involved with startups and the digital space and wow. I got like really excited about that space. It was just like, you know, that world is kind of 
its own animal, but it's really inspiring and really exciting and fast. And I just really liked it. And I also was teaching yoga once a week and kind of trying to realize like that I wanted to figure out how can like I take health and wellness and make it more accessible and couple that with what's going on in this startup tech space. And that's when I met the guys of Thrive Market. And I originally wanted to work for Thrive as a consultant Mm -hmm. so I could start my own thing then. And they wanted me to come on full time, which I'm so glad I did because it was such an amazing experience. And after being there like three years, I being so early at that company, I got to have my hands and a lot of different things right. and learn so much and kind of create somewhat of a formula for how to help other brands, you know, grow and scale. Cause you don't always know how to do that unless you've been through it. Cause there's so many subtleties. And then when I left, I just started, you know, reaching out to different companies that I wanted to work with and help them do the same thing and grow through designing marketing strategies essentially. And, helping them manage the execution because I knew I had learned how to actually take the big ideas of growth and moving forward and bring them to life. Branding now has become such, I think, a broad term. So how would you define brand and branding? And what is the mark of a good brand? It's interesting. So like a lot of people that I really look up to, um, mentors of mine, one specifically who is like very important to me, he hates the term brand mm-hmm. like he's just like oh it's so overused everyone thinks they're one and you know it's it's all it's not it's trendy yeah and I totally hear that um and I think that there's a lot of that but for me a brand is just it's just it's like the heart of a company that's all it is is that and so it's like how do you take the heart of the company, which is for me, like the why, the intention, the purpose, you know, the authenticity um, of it being in existence and shape that story in a consistent, cohesive, effective way so that the most amount of people in the world can, you know, be reached by it and then moved by it and therefore a follower or a uh, participant of it, you know? Right. And like, so that's a brand to me. And that requires a lot of different pieces from marketing and teamwork and community building. And um, that usually comes through partnerships and, you know, nowadays influencer stuff or social media and email marketing. And there are so many different parts of it. And, but that's like the basis of it to me. It's just, you know, how, how do you get your, your story out there. And for me, it's like the most impactful brands, if you will, are the ones whose heart is the most authentic. And, you know, from the top down, like they're doing what they do out of integrity mm-hmm. and a real desire to help people. Do you think that the most important thing in building a brand would be building like kind of a community and finding that tribe? Yeah, I do. I think you have to have a great product mm-hmm. and that's effective in whatever it's doing and you know exciting and um and then yeah you you need to grow the group around it for me because i'm trying to branch out from this uh podcast which is vibing and valentino into vibing company 
which is mm. ideally for me a lifestyle brand. Um, and with the huge influx of lifestyle brands lately, and I'm not going to lie, this question is because I want personally want to know too, how do you suggest a brand stand out if it feels like a certain industry is getting saturated or is already saturated? Well, number one, I wouldn't call yourself a lifestyle brand if you can help it. Okay. 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 Perfect. Good yeah. to know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just answering the question for you specifically. Yeah. FYI, but I... I think like the, the it's always kind of like how can you stand out slightly? You know how can yeah. you you know what's going to make people like respond to what you're doing um, differently? And so mm-hmm. highlight what you're doing differently. Mm-hmm. So lifestyle brand is um, is what you are, but there's probably a way to shape your message with different words that aren't yeah. overused. Uh. And I would go down that rabbit yeah. hole a little bit. Yeah, and then. Yeah, and um, and I think like it's going to be a lot about you. Like your podcast is a vertical of your overarching mission, right? Mm-hmm. So I think like it's going to be a lot of education to your audience around through content, um, around why you're building the umbrella and yeah. how can it help them and um, what is your goal for your community, yeah. um, and. You know, I think the emphasis goes into delivering that message over, over more than like just saying the it's a lifestyle brand. Like right. talk about what that means. Right. How do you suggest a brand reach out to their clients and a new brand get publicity and exposure? Because it seems like in the beginning of a new business is when it's the hardest because people are very hesitant to, to work, you know, with new businesses. So like when you reach out to clients or maybe influencers and stuff like that, how, what is your approach? Just being super intentional and cohesive. Yeah. Like I think when you reach out to influencers, it's like, or brand partnerships, like, you know, crafting from everything from crafting the initial target outreach list in a, with a specific, specific strategy to crafting, you know, the email templates that have the message in the most engaging, clear, you know, short form way and iterating on that as you kind of go and learn. But it's just every step of the puzzle just needs to be clearly communicated, heart centered and um, and direct. Yeah. You have to be genuine and cohesive. Yeah. How do you choose influencers? Do you go by the number, like how big they are in the online space? How do you measure which ones would fit best fit the brand that you're working for? Yeah, you look at size. There's kind of segmenting like micro macros, mm-hmm. you know, and, and like celebrities and, you know, segment by size. And then really looking at engagement because I think with influencer stuff, as you, you know, probably know since you are one, like mm-hmm. I... There's great, you know, there's influencers can be super impactful to your business Mm -hmm. if they're just like everything else I'm saying, you know, authentic and have a following because of it and, you know, are giving good information. And so therefore their community is really loyal and their engagement is good and their promotions will mean something and drive traffic Yeah. versus like there's influencers who buy their own followers or their engagement's not that great. And. You know, there's other things that they might have 2 million followers, but are they really going to move the needle? And I think from a company perspective, you're always looking at, like, what's the ROI? So Right, exactly. If 
for example, though, an influencer doesn't generate a lot of sales, but they generate a lot of traffic to the website, would you consider that a win or a lose? I That's a good, really good question. And that is really something that is de- needs to be determined. Mm-hmm. Like that's kind of like not something that influencer needs to worry about. That is like a KPI that should be set by the company before doing any push. So yeah. like, you know, for example, I had a comp- I had an influencer do a push for a a course, um, like a spirituality course this week. Mm-hmm. And prior to it was defined like measures of success, you know, right. website traffic, in- new Instagram followers, and sales to the course. And like so far, no sales to the course have been sold. But like there's been a like they've doubled their unique website visit, mm-hmm. which is positive because that can turn into a sale later. Yeah. And brand awareness obviously is really important. Right. Having a lot of followers for me doesn't even really, you know what I mean? Sometimes won't even turn into a lot of sales. So I could only imagine like brands hiring influencers for so much money and like having that not be like immediate sales right away. That has to be, I don't know if you guys like get taken aback by it, but, um, I actually worked with an influencer to post my ebook, my fitness ebook, and it didn't generate sales, but it did generate a bunch of website traffic. So I was like, I don't know if this is a win or a lose. I mean, I didn't go into it with like clearly defined statistics or anything like that, but I was just like, I mean, I'll take it because it was it was like a huge bump in website traffic. So that seems successful to me from the influencer end mm-hmm. for you. I think in an ideal world, you would, um, you know, you would have been prepared, like your website would be optimized for new traffic. So, you know, mm-hmm. you have maybe like a pop-up window and yeah. an email, a welcome email sequence and this, that, and the other. So that you're, or maybe something set up just specifically for that push too so that you're capturing that email cohort with like a pre-planned strategy of how to email them in the following days after to really strategically try to convert them from visitor to buyer. I certainly didn't think about that. I didn't do a whole like pop-up. I should have. Well, you can always do it again, you know? I think like it's just remembering that like brand awareness is really great. If they're getting to your page, then they're, they already are a little bit interested. So yeah. now what can you do to not be like desperate, you know, yeah. and like thirsty, but be like <laughs> intentional and like engaging, yeah. like seductive, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like dating. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Did you go to school to become this? I, th- I feel like it just comes naturally to you talking to you and all this stuff. Like what is your background? If you don't mind. Oh, thank you so much. That's really fun. Yeah. Um, no, I, yeah, I was a creative writing major in school. Um, I just, yeah, I and mean, then I, I worked in entertainment. I'm pretty much self-taught in wow. like, this world. I find it inspiring. I like to learn. I sort of feel that I'm like, you know, I don't know. I'm ex- like, I kind of get like inspired and turned on by like that way of being. And yeah. I think like I'm excited about brands like I just I genuinely like I love to be creative in that way and like figure out how do we help more people you know find this and um and I'm passionate you know I only work with brands that I'm super passionate about and that I truly believe in and that I think they're 
teams. I mean, I have I have made mistakes in the past of working with brands like just for money or mm-hmm. whatever that I kind of had a red flag of at the beginning. Yeah, and they always turned out to be a problem oh, or wow. didn't grow in the way that like or like you know didn't weren't successful and and whatever. So yeah, yeah, it's just always trying to stay inspired do you only work with uh like like wellness brands i know that's one of your passions no i don't i mean i did for a long time but recently most of my clients right now are actually not directly wellness but Mm -hmm. there's like a do good you know yeah or impact yeah um, angle yeah but yeah i've actually been trying to branch out and just there's so many cool companies out there right there's so many cool startups out there people have some of the best ideas what do you think is the biggest factor for successful growth in the online business i mean storytelling yeah again like you gotta have a good product but i mean i think it's messaging yeah I i think it's the way that you shape and deliver the message and the language and all of that Mm because that's what people are gonna really respond to and clarity and clean clear look and feel yeah that makes you feel good everything has to be cohesive like the look and the feel of the products have to be cohesive yeah a hundred percent and i think that has to do with the look and the feel and also the storytelling and the message like everything needs to work together and be uniform and support each other and make sense and yeah you know be strong that makes sense at what point would you ever suggest to a business hey we just need to rebrand has any brand ever come up where you're just kind of like okay like let's just do this all over again yeah it depends how far you know how big they are and Mm -hmm. how far down the road they are but you know especially if they're not out in the world yet it's the time to get it right do you think that it's harder for a brand to retain clients after they rebrand no i think it's loyal if done right i mean making your community a part of that is important to that transition what was the biggest lesson that you've learned about brand growth that you have implemented into well done you always want to be growing but you Mm -hmm. don't want to grow too fast or without a really strong core you know so just learning to like how to be strong from the inside out to support and sustain consistent growth consistent and steady growth yeah because sometimes rapid growth will overwhelm the company. If you guys don't have enough right. products or supply to sell. Yep. What was the best advice that you've ever been given about business? I have a mentor who always says, if you're not part of the solution, then you're a part of the problem. Mm-hmm. And I really love that because I just think like there is a solution to everything and there's always a problem. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I think in growth, you're constantly trying to like, clear a block and move to the other side and get ahead around it and move up and you know what I mean and yeah. then there's a block and then you're trying to get around it and move up and so if you're reacting to things that get in the way by feeling like oh fuck they're in the way then that you don't get anywhere versus like all right like let's be resourceful everything is figure outable mm-hmm. and like there's a solution to every problem you just kind of flow differently yeah what are some common branding mistakes that you see a lot? I think sometimes people are trying to go only big and wide and miss mm. the small steps that are really important, especially when it comes to community building. And a lot of times these companies are after like 
you know, specific metrics Mm -hmm. and performance indicators and the fastest, biggest impact way to meet those are through like big, big channels. But there's a lot of impact that can be driven through like small grassroots organic channels that like should not go overlooked or deprioritized. Yeah. So do you suggest like even online companies put a big emphasis on like CSR, like corporate social responsibility or? Yeah, yeah, that, but like also basically like community building in every way, like have a presence everywhere you can Mm, be out there networking, you know, do small partnerships if they don't have the social following that you would want, but like they have, you know, a lot of influential people connected to them or think creatively how you can like make your product more desirable to like be on the target market or, Mm -hmm. you know, just things like that. Yeah. Do you remember Protein World from a few years ago? At all? It was all Um, over Instagram. It was like these protein powders. Yeah, no, I don't know that. Okay, well, I, I brought it up because it feels like this was one of those companies that they started and then they went in and I feel like their marketing strategy was to just fu- like funnel all their money into major influencers in like advertising their products that it blew up so big do you see that being a common practice nowadays is where it's like okay like we're just gonna push all the money to influencers and just hope it sticks I think that there's a lot of influencer models like that out there that's I don't like I, uh, for me that doesn't translate to like a sustainable brand. Yeah, because because I, I brought it up too. Because now I don't I don't see it anywhere anymore. But for a few years, everybody was like taking protein world protein powders, and it was everywhere. And now it's gone. I don't know. Yeah, I. That's because like that's a big boom. Like that's kind of the opposite of the type of growth I'm talking about. Like yeah. they get everyone to promote without you know all across the board without you know deliver without taking time to like truly communicate like the message and the purpose and getting people connected to the realness of it like the heart of the brand and at Thrive we did something similar but we did it more effectively like we did how we built a world-renowned influencer program that Mm -hmm. was single-handedly responsible for our growth for the entire first year and we grew to four million users in under two years yeah that's amazing and it was incredible and we like um and our influencers were a combination of health experts, bloggers, celebrities, everything in between. Yeah. And we managed those relationships in an incredibly thoughtful way. And, you know, we're talking to our influencers every week and we are constantly supplying them content with very strategic, specific promotion schedules and deliverables and expectations and check-ins. So we had everyone going. So on the side of influencer it was like go big and go wide but at the same time we were like we had a really refined product we had really intentional messaging that was creating our value prop which made it even more exciting for the audience that they were delivering it to and then we really delivered on what we said and when people got into product it was like a no-brainer versus like I would imagine that you know maybe with like some of these companies that we're talking about, they mm-hmm. are getting a lot of eyeballs and then they're not able to create the stickiness either from like, maybe the product's not as good as it could be. Maybe it's not as effective. Maybe they're not taking the time to like refine their messaging in the proper way. I don't know, but they're clearly missing a step. Yeah. It just seems like 
it became such a trend. It, it fizzles out quick. There's not a lot of longevity to that kind of strategy. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. The other day I was like on Instagram, I was like, I remember when everybody was pushing like mate fit tea and like protein. Oh, milk. I remember that. One. You remember yeah. mate fit with their, with their water yeah. bottles? Yeah. I feel like the water bottle was honestly for some time their best marketing tool because everybody wanted a freaking mate fit water bottle. They were selling it for like $20 or something during their heyday. What are the biggest tips that you can give to a female entrepreneur? Oh man. Um, we are so hard on ourselves. We are you know, already. We're, I mean, everyone is like men and women, but women, I do think I was listening to, um, Oprah's podcast, Super Soul Sunday, and she said something that made me laugh. She was like, I was born with like the need to please or, yeah. and it was, I think like that is like a common, a common thing for women a little bit more than men. And so that sends us into these like, oh, you feel like you have to like work more hours or give more, do more, like show up more, prove yourself in a way. And so I think that the more work you can do on yourself, you know, to like for positive self-talk and self-love and mm-hmm. like creating healthy habits yeah. that you know, keep you in like a calm, relaxed state and open and like just enjoying life and having fun. Like all of those practices are, I think are really important to like actually performing better ultimately. I love that you talk about self-love and positive mindset because this leads right into my next question for you, which is what is your morning routine? You're in the wellness space. You were a yoga teacher. You you were a part of Thrive. You run your own wellness company. Like, what is your morning routine? I'm so excited to hear this. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah. So, sweet. Um, so I do a lot of like self work, and I think like all of that is so crucial. Mm-hmm. And for me, like it's it's funny that you bring up morning routine because right now I'm waking up at like five or five thirty just so I can have an hour to do certain things because Mm -hmm. I really noticed like I actually have more energy in the day if I do that and I'm more grounded and I just have I have such a better day if I take that time yeah and I I think the morning routine in general like at large for me is meditating the second I wake up and you can do it for five minutes like I mean, I do for like 15 or 20, but I, there are times where if you only have three minutes, like that's good. Uh-huh. Like, there's no judgment, no judgment around like how to do any of this, by the way. Like you just do what works for you. How do you meditate when you first wake up and not fall back asleep? <laughs> that's sit like, up. girl, that has yeah. been my struggle. Okay, sit up. You just have to sit up. <laughs> You have to sit up and maybe like go to the bathroom first, like do a little walk. Okay, been yeah, doing it wrong <laughs> from the sitting I mean, up. I find it like, yeah, sit up because like yeah, if you lay down, if you stay laying down at that time, you'll definitely fall asleep. But yeah, yeah, if you kind sure. of doze off while you're sitting up, that's not a bad thing. That's actually taking you into a more transcendental state. I know, but then I end up growing. My morning routine ends up being another additional hour. <laughs> you know, where you're sleeping. <laughs> That's the thing. That's the thing with these morning routines. Like you have to, you have to start, you have to find the tools and then you have to kind of like work with them to fit how they work for you at that time. So like, you know, I really, part of my morning routine is journaling or has been, I love to do like gratitude, intention Mm -hmm. setting and goal writing for the day. But 
over time and like where I'm at right now, I just don't have time to like take an hour to do that, you know? Mm. So I have now implemented where like when, so I meditate, I am right now I'm on a kick of like celery juice. So I meditate, make my celery juice. Mm. And then I'm like, do my gratitude and intentions like in my mind. Like I don't need to write them down. I just kind of integrate them. Yeah. And then do my celery juice and then I do a workout and, you know, I still write down the goals at some point, either like right before, you know, right then if I have time, like it only takes, you know, 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. but either then or later in the day in the journal that I keep on me or whatever writing is important. So yeah, meditating, moving your body. I think working out is really important, even if it's a walk. Yeah. Um, I just went on a walk with my best friend that I haven't seen in a while, you know, and that was like just as restorative as anything. And and just not rushing. I'm always moving too fast. I'm always moving too fast and trying to do 50 things at once Mm -hmm, and that energy is super exhausting it's draining it's it's counterproductive um it takes you out of the present it it, like makes you kind of feel more in your masculine than feminine like I just think there's a lot of stuff that comes up when you're like that so my thing lately has been really about like relaxing into the present and just like like I said I'm waking up at 5 30 right now just because I'm like if I just know I have a little extra time, even if I don't have to like be anywhere, mm-hmm. I, I'm responding to the day from such a different place. And then the whole day, it's like feels more spacious and then you're more in the flow and you're enjoying things more and you feel lighter and more carefree. And then you feel better when you feel better, like better things happen and you're more creative and solving things at work is like not a struggle. And, you know, so it just affects everything positively. Yeah. Have you always been spiritual or did it take you some time? Yeah, I definitely have been. I just didn't know what it was when I was younger. Like, really? I sort of like denounced religion at a really young age, mm-hmm. but I like believed in love. Like I like once said like I believed God was love. Like when I was really young, I definitely have always been intuitive and felt like connected, but like and really sensitive, like really sensitive. And so, but I just didn't really start truly understanding that stuff until, I guess, right before I went to college. I think I started this journey and then like found yoga in college. And then just over the years, I have just kind of like dove in and I think it's fascinating. And I think it's kind of like, what else is there, you know? Right. Prior to, like, really sitting down and doing the work on myself, I I was a personal trainer. Um, I still am, but in a more joyful way. Back then, I was working for, like, a gym, and I, like, didn't really like it. You know, like, I was doing, like, bottle service. I felt like I was doing so many things, but it was, like, it just didn't feel like the purpose was there. And until, like, you do the spiritual work and the energy work on yourself... It like I I didn't know if I was gonna find it, you know. Totally, yeah. I mean, I think it's amazing that you do what you do because you have like a really direct line to sharing that with other people, you know. Yeah. And inspiring their journey, and you can't, you really can't do it effectively if you're not living it. And um, I think at the end of the day, like my mission in life. Is I just want to help people live happier and healthier lives. I really believe that as we all like tune in individually and learn how to like navigate our own dynamics mm-hmm. um, and take care of ourselves in those ways and understand our emotions, et cetera, then we 
can be better collectively. And, you know, so much of what's happening in the world right now from like the, the anxiety and depression epidemic to like, yeah. you know, politics yeah. and the state of the world and mother nature, I think is like even like, trying to get our attention really consciously. And I truly believe that all of that, maybe not in our lifetime, I don't know, but can be solved by coming together from a place of more openness, more heart centeredness, more compassion, more empathy. But like, you can only be in that place if you're doing it in yourself first, and if you're actually living it. So I just want to help people and you're doing it too. live it, you know, open up, find the tools that help them get there and learn it and live better for yourself and everyone else. Yeah. So do you do chakra work at all? Yeah. You do? Oh, my God. Yeah, when you started talking about, like, being heart-centered, I was like, oh, my God, she is. She knows what she's talking about. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I've been working on my sacral chakra lately. Yep. Um, so it has everything to do with, you know, like, forgiveness and love and compassion, creativity. And yesterday I was, like, laying in bed and I was just pray that, you know, with for everybody that, like, I guess it's listening to this episode now that like everything they do comes from a place of like for genuine forgiveness and like love and compassion. Cause there's like so many things that happen to us that we might think we've already let go of, but we haven't. And like, it's still in our subconscious. We're still kind of hanging on to like past trauma, past issues. And it interferes with how we navigate our day to day lives and how we make the decisions we make or, the choices that we make. So it's like when you get to yourself to a point of like forgiveness and compassion and, you know, like genuine love for yourself and others, you move differently. And if one person moves differently, like you were saying, and two people and three people start moving differently and moving the same way, collectively, it makes a huge impact on the world. That was very, very well said. Oh, and thank I you. totally agree with you. And you're sacral chakra also has a lot to do with security and safety and I think like with everything you just said the other part of that is like how do you continuously strengthen the connection of you to yourself where Mm -hmm. you have that feeling of knowing trusting and believing that your security is a within you and b cannot be shaken by anything like nothing can take your security away and we are programmed in a state of like fear and lack mentality Mm -hmm. so that you do always think I mean not you but a lot of people <laughs> feel like the ground is always going to fall out from under them but that's not actually the case like yeah. you and your inside is the connection that's the stability that's the anchor that's the security so I think a lot of times too like nurturing that piece helps when you do come from that place of feeling whole it's a different experience in your interactions with other people on the world around you completely are you working on any specific chakras right now No, I mean, right now, I would say my big focus is letting go of control and being present. I'm always like, what's more? What's next? I want more. I want bigger. I want blah, 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 blah. And the next thing. And And it's like, if you're not even like engaged and open and fully in the present right now, which which requires a complete unconditional acceptance of what is, Mm -hmm. you know, then you're not, you're letting it pass you by. And life is so short. And I think that's just like more than ever right now. It's just like, just be here now, you know? Yeah. But that sense of wanting more, that is honestly 100% the entrepreneur in you. 
100%. Yeah. <laughs> You're always yep. like, okay, this is done. What's next? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. A true entrepreneur right here. Can you recommend? You. <laughs> yeah, of course. Can you recommend some business or branding or any self help resources to our listeners? What are some of your favorite resources to turn to? Yes, I love to give resources. My favorite <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> okay, so for meditation, because I think that's so important to every part of everything. Mm-hmm. I think Headspace is great if you're a beginner because okay. I think guided meditations are a really great way to like get get in there. Right. Um, I also think like Deepak and Oprah do these like 21 day meditation courses and you can sign up for free during those 21 days, but then you can buy them at any time. And they have like, you know, meditation for like manifestation, empowerment, like losing weight, you know, better sleep. Like they have everything. Stop. They have those ones are, for... They're amazing. Oh my God. I didn't even know that. <gasps> yeah they're really powerful so wow. I think those are really great and like you would like that too because if you want to get up and meditate but fall asleep like uh they start with like a little intro and an mm-hmm. explanation of like the day's theme and you get a mantra and like a so it's really like good content to listen to like before you start meditating so you might like it might wake you a little oh nice okay good I mean you said first off I have to sit up when I meditate first thing in the morning I haven't been doing that I literally will just hit stop on the alarm and just lay there and try to meditate and I fall asleep so that's that was my major mistake right there (laughs) let me know how it goes I will for sure (laughs) I'm a big believer also in tapping Um, Oh, my God. Really? Yeah. And, like, there's a book. I mean, I there's a lot of things to read on tapping, but there's – I'm just trying to remember the name of it. It's, like, tapping for, like, entrepreneurs. (gasps) Basically, you can, like, tap through your block. So if you want to, like, earn more money Mm -hmm. or if you want to get to the next level of your business, like, if you're, you're, like, stagnant in any way, it's usually because you're blocked and you can clear all that through tapping. I also cleared my fear of flying with tapping. You um, have really? Like, if yep. And oh. if, if you start to have like a panic attack, you can clear it with tapping in like a minute. Like I think tapping is like a very, very powerful tool to have in your toolkit that you can like use anytime, any place, like on your own. I've spoken to two other um, guests who are big into spirituality as well, and they both love tapping. So I've tried I've tried tapping for I think for abundance for money um and it was like with this video of some guy on YouTube okay there's a guy on YouTube called Brad Yates yes <laughs> that's the I guy really like him. <laughs> yeah I, I I really like him okay I found the name of the book it's tapping into wealth by Margaret Lynch Ooh, it's amazing it's amazing how often do you tap I mean, like, probably every day. Stop, really? I need to start. Yeah, because, like, if something comes up, like, I get, like, if anxiety comes up or, like, whatever, if it's, like, in the way and I have a second, I just do it. I mean, it, it, like, there's a scientific, like, it releases your uh, pressure points, which are holding on to things. So it it kind of works in the same way acupuncture does. So you are saying stuff, but it's the actual physical act of what you're doing to your different pressure points is relieving tension. So it's like physically like yeah, bringing things down. Right, right. Okay, I need to step up my tapping practice. Tell our listeners 
about your wellness company well done because I keep referring to it, but I didn't really get into the nitty gritty of what it is and how and how it works. So can you just explain to our listeners if they want to find you and work with you? If you want to work with me as a consultant, you can email me at stephanie at stephaniebeckerman.com or go through my website, which is just stephaniebeckerman.com. And for well done, well done was a somewhat of a holistic Yelp, but I made a major pivot in May and I lined with a new business partner and uh, we're now building a physical location. It will be somewhat of the Italy of wellness and um, accessible to everyone, not membership based. I um, love that so much. Yeah. It'll be, like, it, it'll be, it'll be good and exciting and, um, we changed the name, so it it won't be well done. But my Instagram handle at well done guide will probably turn into the new Instagram. Got so it. I'd follow well done guide um, to, for updates and stuff. Um, and we're launching the first one in LA. And um, yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. Yay! Thank you so much, Stephanie, for talking to me today. Of course. Thank you so much for having me. This was great. And, you know, let me know what I can do to support your your journey. And, um, you know, I'm always here as a sounding board. And congrats on all your next steps. It sounds like your growth is uh, imminent as well. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you. That means so much to me to have somebody like you in my corner. Even just today talking to you, I got so much insight. I can't believe that this was self-taught. Like, I'm still amazed. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're so good at what you do. And Oh, thank you. You're so inspiring. Oh, that really means so much to hear. <laughs> and you're, you're very kind. Thank you for saying all that. <laughs> and for having me. And yeah. for reaching out. Of course. And, you know, you're welcome back whenever. Awesome. I love that. Okay. Have a wonderful day, Stephanie. You too. Thank you so much. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you soon. Bye. I hope you guys enjoyed that conversation with Stephanie Beckerman. If you guys enjoyed this episode or any other previous episodes, go ahead and give me five stars on iTunes. It'll help me out so, so much. Hit that subscribe button. Have a wonderful weekend. Be safe. Have fun. And I'll talk to you guys next Friday. Bye.